of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. morning again. Ginny is a great pinch hitter. She wasn't regularly scheduled to sing. She got the call this morning, right, Mike? She is always faithful, and she's ready to sing at any time. And we have to be ready, because you never know when the Lord may call upon you to be a blessing to someone. It may be today, it may be this afternoon, it may be this week, 
but he's preparing us. He prepares us. So when we read the word of God and we pray, he gives us that word, and then it comes out just at the right time. Just by chance, just by coincidence. No. Preparation is what it takes. And we thank the Lord for Ginny. We thank the Lord for all the servants in this church that have served over the years and have been ready, willing, and able to serve our Lord. You know, today, Michael Brown, Ray's son, is going into the Marines. The few, the proud, the Marines. And we're proud of him. And he came to our group on Friday night and spent some time with us at Mike and Ginny's house, and it was really good. He's a young man who's entering into the service of our country, and there's nothing better for a young man to do, or a young woman nowadays, to do than to serve our country. But there's one thing even greater than that. It's to serve our God. Because it should always be God first and country second. So many people turn that around. Priority of life, God first, country, and then everything will fall into place. We have to put the Lord first in our lives. Shall we just look to him in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this song that Ginny sang today, and it was a beautiful song and a beautiful rendition. We thank you that no one cared for us like Jesus. No one cares for us even today like Jesus. We have many people that love us. We have family and friends and loved ones, and yet no one has a love like you, Lord Jesus, for us. It's an unfailing love. It's an eternal love. It's a sacrificial love. And we thank you that you love us, Lord, and you take care of us every day of our lives. And we want to commit this time to you now. We pray that you will take your word, Lord, and speak to our hearts and bring it as a, as a message that we need to hear. And we pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and that you will be glorified today. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, this morning to the 37th Psalm, Psalm 37. We're just going to cover a few verses in it. This is a rich psalm. You could spend weeks on it, really, because it's so fantastic. It's Psalm 37. This morning I got up as usual, got up a little early. I should have known something was coming. But uh, <laughs> I was in the middle of my prayers, and Adel called me and said, we're not going to have the celebration today. Uh, and he told me about the outbreak of the chicken pox and so forth. And he said, so if you've got a message that you can bring to us today, I said, okay. He said, and I'll call you back in a few minutes. And so he said, yes, have the message ready. So I said, okay, Lord. And you know when it's like this, it has to be the Lord in it because there's no way. I didn't have my normal preparation or anything, but we'll let the Lord lead. Sometimes that's a little scary when you get up here, but you know, the Lord is good and I have no worries. Let's look at chapter 37, Psalm, Psalm 37, beginning at verse 23. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. The title of this message is Sturdy Steps. Sturdy Steps. Think how many steps you make in your life. 
When you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night, think of how many steps you've made. You've gone out to your car, you've got in the car, you've driven the car. Then you've walked into work. Then you've walked all around work. Then you got off work and you went home. And then you stopped at the store and you walked all these places. They even have these devices now called pedometers. You can tell how many miles you walk, but it also has it in terms of the number of steps. And it's staggering the number of steps we take every day. And we should be thankful to God for each step that we take. Some of those steps are painful steps. Some of those are happy steps. Some of those are difficult steps. But the key to it is the Lord is with us in all our steps. Everything that we go through. And that's why the psalmist says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We know that from the scriptures that no one is good but God. Even when they came to the Lord Jesus, the rich young ruler, he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the gift of eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? There is only one good who is God. He was directing him to the fact that he needed to know whose presence he was in. That Jesus was God himself manifested in the flesh. And so the rich young ruler came to him and he said to him, what must I do? And the Lord says to him, it's not what you do. It's coming to me. I will save you. I will give you eternal life. There's so many people today that think if they do enough, God will accept them into heaven. If you interviewed people today, you'd ask them, what does it take to go to heaven? What do you need to do? And they would name off things. Well, I have to be a good person. I have to keep the golden rule. I have to follow the Ten Commandments. I have to give to charity. And they'll name all the things that they need to do. And maybe you're here this morning and you think about that. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has already done on the cross. He did the work for us so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. And he could put us on that road to heaven. Because the Bible talks about two roads in heaven that lead. One road leads to heaven. It's the narrow road. And the other one leads to hell. And it's the broad road. So few people are on that first road that leads to eternal life. Because it's a road of faith. And you have to accept the Lord as your personal Savior. And you have to humble yourself. And you have to bow down before the Lord. And take that straight and narrow path. Whereas the broad road, that's the easy road. Everybody is born on that road. It's the way that leads to death. And yet everybody's on it who doesn't know the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you're on that broad road and you're just trying to survive in life with all the difficult things that are happening in our world today. And you don't know the Lord. He's not with you on that road. That's the saddest thing. I ask myself, how can a person today make it without Christ? How can they do it? They try to do it. They try to tough it out. They try to make it on their own. They try to get through life and hope that things will get better. Hope that gas prices will go down. Thank you, Lord. They've gone down a little bit, but it's still pretty high. Hope that the food prices will go down. Hope that this mortgage mess will get better. We hope many times what these things are going to be. But for the child of God, it doesn't matter what those outward circumstances are because they can be bad or good. We have the Lord in our life. And if you have Christ, you can face the crisis because Christ is in the crisis. He is at the helm of our ship. 
And if we know the Lord, he is there. And he's going to direct every step that we take. That's why he says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you look in your margin, some of you may have in your Bibles the word established there. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord. Have you ever thought of that, that your life doesn't just happen by chance? It's not a series of random events, things that just happen to you, but God allows it in your life. He allows it in my life. He knew long before we canceled the program today what was going to happen. He knew long before you were going to be here this morning. He knew long before what the message was going to be. He knows all these things. And that's why he asks us to come to him this morning and say, Lord, lead my steps, guide my steps in life. Yes, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you turn over to Proverbs, the 16th chapter, just one book over, you'll see some other verses there that speak of the Lord leading our steps. Verse 9, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. It says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, so easy in life to make plans, and then all of a sudden the Lord changes those plans. And sometimes we can get disappointed, we can get frustrated, we can say, Lord, I was looking forward to that. But you know what? God is leading us. That's why we sang in that hymn today, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, where'er I go, where'er I be, it's still your hand that leadeth me. And you know, God leads us on the path. It begins the moment we're born again, and it won't end until we get to heaven. And we stand on the heavenly shore, and we stand on the streets of gold, and we're before the Lord's presence, and we'll say, Lord, it was all worthwhile. Thank you for leading my life every step of the way. He counts our steps. He numbers our years. He loves us so much. He even says, I even know how many hairs are on your head or if you don't have too much hair, or any hair, he knows how many were there. <laughs> right? He does. He knows all these things about us. He knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen to you in a week or a month or a year. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. They're established. They're ordained by the Lord. So we don't have to worry about it taking God off guard. It doesn't surprise him one bit. And we can thank the Lord for that. He knows what we're going through. He loves us so much. He's ordered our steps. Someone also said, our steps and our stops are ordered by the Lord. Because sometimes we're just going along and all the Lord, the Lord says, stop. Just stop and rest. I don't know about you, but that goes kind of against my nature. I like to be busy. I like to work hard. I like to do things. I'm always doing things. But sometimes the Lord says, now is a time of rest and time of getting stronger and being built up so you can go out and face the things that are coming up. And so the Lord stops us. He gets us to be home and rest and sit in his presence. It was wonderful that message that Greg shared at the breaking of bread about Mary. She chose the better part because she sat down at Jesus' feet. She rested in him. Martha's busy working and preparing, and there was nothing wrong with serving Jesus. That's good. 
But it said that she was distracted by all her preparations. And I don't know about you, but I get distracted sometimes, and the Lord just has to remind me, Dean, focus on me. Because it's easy to get distracted, but he wants us to focus on him and know that he is leading our lives. He's leading us step by step and day by day. So he says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and it says, and he delights in his way. You know, there's not any better feeling to know as a believer in Christ that God is pleased with us, that he is happy with what we're doing. Because if he's not, that's a bad thing. That is not good at all. But he says, and he delights in his way. And I was thinking, Lord, my life today, I want it to be pleasing to you. I want to do everything that you want me to do. I want to say everything that you want me to say. And we can only do that if we're born again. If we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we can be prepared for every step that the Lord takes. Did you see that lady on the TV the other day? This is one of those uh, beauty contests they showed. I don't watch these things, you see, but I see the, uh, the news. They show the highlight. And it seems like these poor Miss Americas, you know, this is the second time it happened. She came out so nice, and she just slipped and fell. But she got back up. She got back up. And, you know, that is the key in life, as we're going to see in this passage. It's not that you fall. It's that you get back up. You know, so many times in life, because notice what he says in verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, a number of years ago, Adel was telling us a story about this father and son, and the son was running a cross-country race, and he wasn't a fast runner, and all the other runners were way far ahead of him, and as he was going along in the race, he fell. He fell down. But he got back up, ran a little bit further, fell down again. Again he fell down. Again he got back up. And it kept happening and happening, and he was getting so discouraged, he was just going to stop and quit. And his dad was there. And his dad says, don't quit. Get back up. Get back in the race. And you know what? He did that, and he finished the race. A number of years ago in the Olympics, there was a runner, I think it was in the 400 meters, and he also had a terrible fall and was way behind. But he just came down. He was injured, and he was coming down, and they were helping him just to make it and across that finish line. Thank God for our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that's there to cheer us on every step of the way so that we can finish the way that the Lord has for us. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. That is so encouraging to me. You can fall. But the Lord's not going to let you be completely devastated by it. He's going to be there for you. Also look over to Proverbs because it's in the, in the same book of Proverbs, chapter 20 and verse 24. This is another verse on the steps of the Lord. It says, a man's steps are of the Lord, then how can a man understand his own way. You know, it's a blessing to know that the Lord is with us in all these things. And there's a scripture in Proverbs that also says, though a man, the righteous shall fall seven times, he shall rise again. And sometimes we get discouraged because we fall the same way again and again. But the Lord says, don't give up. 
don't give up. Don't quit. You know, the world is always teaching us, you might as well quit. You might as well throw in the towel. But the Lord says, don't quit. Trust me. Take one step at a time. You know, sometimes we, we don't feel like it doing something. And the Lord says, just put one foot in front of the other. Just take one step at a time, and I'll give you the strength. And then by faith, he gives us the strength to take those steps. And if we fall, he is there for us. He says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You know, it's a sad world in which we live in. You hear about people all the time that have devastating calamities happen to them. Maybe it's a tornado hit their house. Maybe they lost a loved one. Maybe they had some other kind of disabilitating disease that's affected them. I just read a story the other day about a little boy who had cancer, who inspired all these professional baseball players. They brought him to the field, and he threw the ball and with the players, his favorite players and everything. And these kind of stories inspire me. But even greater stories than that is that the Lord loves us. He loves you, and he loves me, and he cares for us. You say, Lord, are you really concerned about my little problems and the things that I'm going through? He says, definitely yes. Definitely yes. He loves us. He cares about our jobs. He cares about our families. He cares about the things that we do and the food that we eat and every detail of our life. He cares about every step that we make. He loves us that much. Is there anybody who loves us more than the Lord Jesus? Just like Jenny was singing today, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's how much he loves us. You know, when the Lord Jesus was risen from the dead before he had revealed himself to his disciples, remember on the road to Emmaus how sad those disciples were? There were two of them that were walking. They were sad. And Jesus approached them and he says, why are you so sad? And they said, are you the only person in Jerusalem who has not heard about what happened? He says, what things happened? And they said, well, there was Jesus of Nazareth who was a mighty prophet. And we thought he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel and they crucified him. And now it's, it's like the third day. And Jesus opened their eyes and he preached to them from the Psalms, from the Old Testament, all the scriptures about himself. And he opened their eyes and they saw him and then he vanished out of their sight. You know, just when we need the Lord, he's there for us. There's a song that says, or a poem that says, just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most. You know, so if somebody needed help and they were way off somewhere else, they can't help you because they're, they're too far away. But if someone's walking right with you, the two of you together, and something happens, they're right there for you. You know what? Jesus is right there for us. He's right by our side. He's in, he's in our lives. And when we have a personal relationship with him, we can know that he's going to be with us so that He's going to protect us, he's going to guide us, and he's going to lead us according to his will. Yes, we may fall, but the Lord says, you shall not be utterly cast down. He says, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. If you have your hand in the Lord's hand, you have the best security there there possibly is. You say, well, Lord, I might get tired and let go, but that's not what it is. It's not up to us. He's the one that has our hand firmly in place, and he's not going to let us go astray. Yes, thank God for that. 
We've been looking also at some verses in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 6. It's a great verse. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 6. 16. 24-16. This is the one I was talking about. It says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. There's really a contrast in that verse between the righteous and the wicked. In the Bible, the righteous are those who are saved, and the wicked are those who are lost. The saved one may fall seven times but be raised up again. The wicked one is going to fall into hell for eternity. There's so many people, so many churches that don't want to talk about hell. They don't want to acknowledge sin. They don't want to acknowledge that we need a Savior, but we do. And if you don't tell somebody that there's that choice in life, then we're not helping them. We want to show people that there's a choice. If you accept Christ, you'll be in heaven forever. If you reject him, you'll be in hell forever. It is that clear and that simple from the word of God. The righteous are his people. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then he says in verse 25, he says, I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. I don't like the word old, but I'm getting older. And he says, I, I was young, but now I'm old. And you know, as we grow older in life, it should really make us appreciate what the Lord has done for us. Because the older you get, the more years he's given to you. The older you get, the more tears you have shed for the, for the Lord. And the older you get, the more fears that he's calmed in your life. So there's years, there's tears, and there's fears. And when the Lord does work in our lives, the more we grow in him, the more near he becomes to us, the more lovely he becomes to us. The scripture says that he's the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. He's fairer than 10,000 to each one of our hearts, and we can thank him for that. And you know, the psalmist who wrote this was David, and he went through some really hard times. And in his younger years, he was strong. He was a man of God. In his older years, he was still a strong man of God. You know, I appreciate those in Scripture who, even in their older years of life, still followed the Lord all the way to the end. You think about Job. It says his end was better than his beginning. His beginning was really good. Then he went through all those trials and all those things that happened to him. But at the end, it was better than the beginning. God blessed him. He restored him and gave him even more than he had lost through all those trials. Moses, at the age of 120 years old, it says his eye was not dimmed nor his vigor abated. He was a godly man at 120. So a few years ago, I was telling Adol, I said, I would like to live to be 120 like Moses. But then I look around and see all the things that are happening in the world and see how my body is breaking down and I said, maybe we better renegotiate that a little bit. Maybe it's not good to live to be 120. But whether you live to be 120 or 60 or 40 or whatever it is, our life is in God's hand and he knows the appointed time for each one. And the Bible says it's appointed unto men to die once and after that the judgment. And none of us can say, well, I'm guaranteed I'm going to be here tomorrow. And so if we don't know the Lord, we have to make sure that we're saved. 
we can make sure by accepting Christ into our hearts right today and being saved because otherwise you're going to walk through this world alone and you're going to go into utter darkness alone. A lot of people say, well, I'll go to hell. There'll be plenty of people there. Not that way. It's going to be darkness. It's going to be painful. And you'll be all separated there in darkness. You know, I got this book at home, and I haven't started reading it yet, but it's about a man who wrote this book, 23 Minutes in Hell. 23 Minutes in Hell. And in this book, he describes how he went to hell, and he was there. And he saw all the demons of hell. He saw all the torture of hell, all the pain of hell. And then... God brought him back to life, and it so sobered him that he got saved. His life was changed. Now he preaches to everybody about how Jesus saves, and it's totally amazing. 23 minutes in hell, and there was also a book, nine, 19 minutes, wasn't it? Nine, I'm sorry, 90 minutes in heaven. 90 minutes in heaven. This man died. He was a Christian, a minister. He died. He went to heaven. He was there for 90 minutes and saw so many glorious things, and then the Lord said, you got to go back. And he didn't want to come back. The man in hell wanted to come back. The man in heaven says, no, this is so great. I want to stay right here. So he says, I have been young, and now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. You ever wonder about that? You see a lot of people out on the street begging nowadays. They call them panhandlers. They're trying to do things for them in San Francisco, other cities. They're trying to provide for them so they don't go out on the streets and, and beg for money. But guess what? The righteous are not there. The righteous, those who are saved are not there because God is taking care of his people. He loves us. He takes care of us. And you're not going to find the righteous begging bread. You just aren't. The early Christians had such a love for each other that they took care of one another. They helped one another in such a way that if one had a need, they met the need. They went out and they helped each other. They loved each other. And that's the thing that turned the world upside down was the love that the Christians had for each other. The people of the world looked at them and said, look how those Christians love each other. And even when they're persecuted and put down and, and cast away, they don't deny their Savior. They don't deny Christ. And I wonder if all we who are Christians in the United States, if someone said, we're going we're gonna to take away your home, we're gonna you're gonna, your job, your car, all your money, and you're going to have nothing. And in order to have any of these things, you have to deny Christ. That would be a decision that each one of us ha would have to make. What would we do? And I know in our hearts, those who truly know the Lord, we'd say, take it, take it. Because even if you kill me, I'm going to be with the Lord. And even if you take all these earthly things, he's going to provide for me. And so thank God for that. We've never seen the righteous begging bread. The other day, Adel and I were out walking when I was out of work, and he mentioned this verse to me, and I really thought that is so true. The righteous are never begging for bread. And it even says the descendants, nor his descendants, break, uh, begging for bread. You know, all, we have so many different generations in this church, like we have the grandfather, we have the father, we have the son, and that it, it's beautiful. Even as an example, Walter's grandfather, Jim's his son, Matt, who's here today with his girlfriend, you're the, son, uh, the grandson. And so it's a generational thing. And when the word of God is taught in our homes, it comes right down to where we live. 
so that we can follow God's word, the righteous and their descendants. And so you see the little kids as they grow up and they learn the principles of Scripture. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's the legacy that we leave behind to our children. You know, we're talking nowadays about global warming. We're talking about leaving behind to the next generation and earth and so forth. And those things are good. I have no problem with that. But we need to leave behind something better than a clean earth and a green earth and all of that. It's important, though. But we need to leave behind a godly legacy so that when people hear our name spoken, even after we've gone and left this world, we'll leave an imprint on people's lives. That's what we want to have happen to us because the Lord is able. So he says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Though he fall, yes, the Lord will uphold him. And then verse 25, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. You know, we talked last week, and Adel mentioned about the testimony that we have before people. He was sharing from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and how does our life show Christ to this world? That's what it has to do. Because if people don't see any difference, they're going to say, why do I want to become a Christian? If there's no difference that Christ makes in your life, then why? But we know that he does make all the difference in our life. Not only has he saved us and given us eternal life, but as we saw today, he's with us in the storms, in the trials, every step of the way. I love that footprints poem. And some of us have it. I have it on my desk at work, and I love that poem because it talks about a man. And this man went through some hard struggles in life, and he looked at the back of his life, and he saw the footprints on the sand, two sets of footprints. And then all of a sudden, he looked, and he saw only one set of footprints. And so he was so upset. He says, Lord, what happened here? You and I were walking together. There were two sets of footprints. Now I see that there's only one set during this particular time in my life. What happened, Lord? Did you leave me during that time when I really had the most difficult times of my life? Did you leave me? And he said, oh, my child, I never left you. When you saw the one set of foot footprints, that's when I picked you up and carried you. Has he carried you today? Is he carrying you? Do you need to be carried today? Are you going through something that's really hard that you're struggling with? It's difficult. The Lord is there, and he's going to pick you up. He's going to pick me up, and he's going to carry us over those spots. And we're going to look back in life and see just one set of footprints, and we're going to say, Lord, thank you that you carried me, because he knows how much we can handle. He loves us so much. He said, this journey is long for you. It's difficult for you. It's hard. I know it's hard. But I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to provide for you. And you're going to be encouraged. And may the Lord help us today to know how much Jesus loves us. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, he's not walking with you. You need to accept him into your life and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need you to be in control of my life because I'm trying to drive this car and I'm crashing. And the Lord knows we need him to control our lives. And when he is in control, he'll get us safely to the destination. But if we try to do it on our own, 
struggling in our flesh, it's not going to work. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for this 37th chapter of Psalms. We thank you for David and all the experiences he went through, Lord. We thank you for the steps, and we thank you for the stops of life. We thank you, Lord, for the steps that we've already taken and all the years that you've brought us through. And we thank you for the steps that are ahead, Lord. And there may be some painful ones. There may be some difficult ones still ahead. This world is getting worse and worse on a daily basis, Lord. But we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that we can say, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You're with us on the path of life. And we thank you that though we may fall, we may fail, we may have struggles, you're right there to pick us up. You're right there to encourage us. You're right there to comfort us. And Lord, we thank you that we'll never be begging for bread. We're never going to be among those who are lost in this world because you're taking us home to heaven, Lord. And we thank you that you care for us. And we just thank you that, as Jenny's saying, no one ever cared for me like you did. And we now pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessing. Help us to know, Lord, that whatever happens to us this week is already known by you and that you're going to lead us. And whether it's in our plans or it's in your plans, Lord, and we want your plans, your will to be done. We pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.